0: Hunt, a.k.a. K.H. Majek, and I haven't recorded any of these uh, essays for a while because I've been so busy writing them, and um, it's just gotten pretty crazy with that. So anyway, I'm going to try and get back to recording them. I'm going to start with the one essay that I have published. Actually, it was published on October 7th when there was a a big uh, falafel about ivermectin. And if you recall, uh, Joe Rogan, uh, using it, and it was all over the media, people making fun of it, uh, it just doesn't seem to stop. But here's some of the facts about it. And some interest, an interesting um, stories about it, as far as what was happening in India, uh, things that were not made clear in the media here. So this is called the People's Medicine versus Merck's billion dollar pill. In Bangladesh, they call it the people's medicine. In the United States, they call it horse paste. In Lucknow, the largest city in the Indian state of Uttar Pradesh, they set up kiosks to distribute it free to treat COVID-19. In the United States, it's been maligned as a dangerous drug that will more likely kill you than help you. In May 2021, at the height of India's Delta Surge, wait, hold on just a second, let's pause for one moment. I need to clarify a few things about buzzwords phrases that have become indispensable additions to our everyday vocabulary. In the COVID propaganda campaign, these words phrases have been weaponized to push fear and hysteria. Delta variant and surge and super spreaders are three examples. When the Delta variant burst upon the scene, first identified in India in April 2021, we heard worrying reports about how easily it spread. The next big wave, bigger than the first, is coming to your neighborhood. Articles such as one in February 2020 in Nature magazine assuring us that we shouldn't worry when a virus mutates during disease outbreaks, or that ill-informed discussions of mutations thrive during virus outbreaks, including the ongoing spread of SARS-CoV-2. In reality, mutations are a natural part of a virus life cycle and rarely impact outbreaks dramatically. Such conversations were not encouraged. Calming the public down would not stoke fear and hysteria. It would not induce people to comply with government orders to roll up their sleeves and take an experimental drug, violating their rights over their own bodies and those of their children. The rise of the Delta variant was blamed on a series of pilgrimages in India in April of 2021. These pilgrimages, Pilgrimages were described as superspreaders, a phrase that we had already been familiarized with. Churches were superspreaders, the Sturgis motorcycle rally was a superspreader. Donald Trump rallies were superspreaders, but BLM protests and riots were not, nor were the hundreds of thousands of migrants pouring across our southern borders. As for the word surge, I recall Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez going ballistic over the word when used to describe the border crisis. Apparently, in that context, anyone who's using the term surge around you consciously is trying to invoke a militaristic frame. Furthermore, and that's a problem, Because this is not a surge. These are children, and they are not insurgents, and we are not being invaded. Which, by the way, is a white supremacist idea philosophy. The idea that if another is coming in the population, that this is an invasion of who we are. Doing our best to follow AOC's irrational train of thought, we can only assume that she's thinking that the word surge means the same as insurgent, only shorter perhaps. Those who religiously follow her every tweet will gladly make that leap of faith. Accusations like, he's a white supremacist, or she's an anti-vaxxer, are magical in their effect, like some sort of incantation. Millions of citizens who hear such accusations are sure to respond with hatred, just as they have been programmed to do. So now, back to this Delta Surge, which is not white supremacist, militaristic, or insurgent, however... The people who question anything about the government's response to it are. In May 2021, at the height of India's Delta Surge, surge, government teams went house to house in Uttar Pradesh, reaching 97,941 villages in 75 districts in roughly five days. Those who displayed symptoms were tested and given medicines, But what were those medicines? A media blackout made it impossible to find out. By July 2, 2021, cases were down a full 99%. On August 6, 2021, the blackout ended with MSM reporting what was contained in those Uttar Pradesh medicine kits. Among the medicines were ivermectin. This is why India calls ivermectin the people's medicine. It is cheap and it is easily accessible. The differences between the United States and India are astounding. Bangladesh has a 99% lower per capita death rate from COVID-19 than the United States. With 160 million inhabitants, it has half the population of the United States. To date, it has experienced only 27,614 COVID-19 deaths. Contrast that to the 722,470 deaths in the United States and the comparison is staggering. But wait, doesn't the United States have superior health care? Don't we have superior hygiene, education? Aren't we the ones who rely on the science and the experts? Apparently not. What we do is rely on a corrupt government making backdoor deals so they can get richer while ordinary people die. On October 6, 2021, it was confirmed that Jessica Berg Wilson, 37, died of thrombotic thrombocytopenia, I can't say these words, I'm not a doctor, I don't claim to be, a rare form of vaccine-induced blood clot. Her obituary said Jessica had been vehemently opposed to taking the mRNA vaccine, knowing she was in good health and of a young age, and thus not a risk for serious illness. In her mind, the known and unknown risks of the unproven vaccine were more of a threat. Yet she felt that she had no choice but to comply if she wanted to continue being a room mom at her community school. Here we have a good woman, a good mom, a good wife. Yet, if she had not taken this experimental treatment, she would have no longer been considered any of those things. She would have joined the ranks of the unclean, ignorant, selfish anti-vaxxers. She would have been ostracized from the classrooms of her own children. And so, she submitted to this invasion that she believed was wrong. As a result, she died. But God forbid the truth should be told, Twitter flagged her obituary as misinformation. I cannot even imagine the outrage your husband must have felt. Despite the experts insisting everyone must submit to this Russian roulette, and despite Twitter trying to debunk the truth, we know how Jessica died. And it is our government leaders like Biden, Walensky, Fauci, and Collins conveniently set to retire who are responsible for killing her. And I just might add in here as a little aside that I have been suspended from Twitter for seven days for saying this very same thing, that these people are responsible because they hid the truth of these life-saving medications. All right, I continue here. If if ivermectin had been readily available, it would have destroyed the lie that Jessica needed to take this vaccine. And as I say, how many lives besides hers could have been saved? How many more will still die? There was a time when doctors used everything in their arsenal to fight disease and were encouraged to do so. Doctors in the trenches treating their patients were respected and listened to Now they are afraid to speak. Even if there was only a slight possibility of success, surely it would have made sense to prescribe ivermectin to ill patients. Surely this would be better than forcing a vaccine on healthy young people who could potentially die from the jab. Even if Jessica was the only person the vaccine ever killed, Surely that would be good enough to co- a good enough cause to introduce ivermectin as a treatment for others. And surely her death and others like hers deserve attention. <clears throat> An honest investigation needs to be done into how and why the reputation of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, although I don't go into it here, are purposely suppressed. In a study conducted by Satoshi Omura, PhD, winner of the Nobel Prize in Physiology of Medicine, which he jointly won with William C. Campbell for their role in the discovery of avermectins and ivermectin, it was concluded that since ivermectin has been used so extensively, pharmaceutical companies cannot expect to earn enough money to recover invested funds, even if further development is conducted to obtain an indication for COVID 19. And herein lies the horror of it all merck is the manufacturer of ivermectin a safe effective and cheap drug you can buy it for around $29.72 in fact the drug is so cheap that in 1987 merck donated it free of charge to combat river blindness in africa because merck cannot make enough money off of ivermectin it waged a war on its own drug to destroy its credibility Here is Merck's statement on ivermectin use during the COVID-19 pandemic. No scientific basis for a potential therapeutic effect against COVID-19 from preclinical studies. No meaningful evidence for clinical activity or clinical efficacy in patients with COVID-19 disease. And a concerning lack of safety data in the majority of studies. The FDA went along with the lies, making ivermectin sound as deadly as cyanide, using language such as serious harm, hospitalized, dangerous, very dangerous, seizures, coma, and even death, and highly toxic. On the FDA's ivermectin page, we find a photo of a veterinary doctor and a horse. I am sure the FDA knows very well the impression such a photo gives the general public who have swallowed the massive smear campaign against ivermectin. Jokes on social media about the unvaxxed raiding veterinary clinics and sticking horse paste up their asses come to mind. Instead of debunking the jokes, the FDA joined in with a tweet, You are not a horse. You are not a cow. Seriously, y'all. Stop it. Rolling Stone magazine continued the hype, claiming that Oklahoma hospitals were being overwhelmed by patients who had overdosed on ivermectin. This was a lie. The mainstream media picked up on it, everyone from Newsweek to Rachel Maddow. When Rolling Stone was forced to admit the story was fake, it was too late. The damage had been done. To this day, the narrative remains that the unvaccinated are causing all the problems with backlogs in hospitals. As a result, you hear more and more of an outcry about how the unvaxed should be denied care. Just recently, an unvaxed Colorado woman is being denied a kidney transplant. Ivermectin has been safely used by humans for 35 years, and over 4 billion doses have been administered worldwide. Here are some facts collected by Henderson and Hooper on the benefits of ivermectin. Ivermectin is on the WHO's list of essential medicines. Ivermectin fights 21 viruses, including SARS-CoV-2, the cause of COVID-19. A single dose reduced the viral load of SARS-CoV-2 in cells by 99.8% in 24 hours and 99.98% in 48 hours, according to a June 2020 study published in the journal Antiviral Research. Some 70 clinical trials are evaluating the use of ivermectin for treating COVID-19. The statistically significant evidence suggests that it is safe and works for both treating and preventing the disease. In 115 patients with COVID-19 who received a single dose of ivermectin, none developed pneumonia or cardiovascular complications, while 11.4% of those in the controlled group did ivermectin can help prevent COVID-19. One 2020 article in Biochemical and Biophysical Research Communications looked at what happened after the drug was given to family members of confirmed COVID-19 patients. Less than 8% became infected versus 58.4% of those untreated. Out of 4 billion doses administered since 1998, there have been only 28 cases of serious neurological adverse events. according. To an article published this year in the american journal of therapeutics the same study found that ivermectin has been used safely in pregnant women children and infants of course merck had a bigger goal in mind by destroying ivermectin's credibility they got busy producing another drug one that could they could make money from that new drug is in the form of a little pill and it's called molnupiravir It promises to halve the chances of hospitalization in COVID-19 patients with mild or moderate disease. Merck got what it wanted, a staggering $1.2 billion government contract from all new Pirover, with the promise of $355 million. for between 60,000 and 100,000 doses. Where ivermectin costs $26 per treatment plan, the Biden administration will pay $700 for a five-day course of malnupiravir pills, even though it costs a mere $17.74 to produce. One might ask the obvious question, what is in malnupiravir? Well, interestingly, it is described as having first been investigated as a possible treatment for Venezuelan equine encephalitis. Yes, you guessed it. Equine encephalitis is a sleeping sickness that infects mammals and horses. Dr. Pierre Corey, the president of Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance and one of the most prominent advocates of ivermectin, has stated that Molnupiravir acts in a similar way to ivermectin. I am not a doctor, obviously, because I have trouble saying these words, even. I am not an expert, but I'd bet my own horse if I had one, with or without horse pace, that Dr. Cory is correct. And I will stop there. That is part one. I will continue with part two.